Welcome to Sound Stations. Please pick up a pair of headphones and be seated. What's up, Mumbles? I got a very important job for you. You can count on us, big boy. Hurry, I got one. What did he say? He said, what's the job, boss? Everything in this room may change time and time again as we move ahead. But the basic philosophy of what we're planning for Disney World is going to remain very much as it is right now. Come on, gang. Let's take it home. <laughs> Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 556, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best vacation experience, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are, not just with the podcast, but with my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, videos, blogs, special events, audio tours, books, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. And whether this is your first time visiting or you've been to the parks hundreds of times, if you're planning a vacation or just love the details, secrets, and stories, there is something here for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. You can find all past episodes in iTunes or at www.radio.com. So we recently discussed Finding Florida why, when, and how Walt Disney World came to Orlando. And this week, I'm going to share part two of our look into exactly where Walt wanted to build, including the legend of the remote island at the center of Walt Disney World and how that figured into Walt's decision. We're going to explore his secret meetings and purchases and share many of the untold stories and maybe a few names that you never knew including the first real residence of Walt Disney World, his hidden home, and when, where, and why Walt first stepped foot on Walt Disney World property. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information about upcoming events, meet of the month, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Walt Disney, who will bring a new world of entertainment, pleasure, and economic development to the state of Florida. Walt Disney. Mr. Disney, this is the largest press aggregation I have ever seen in the state of Florida. And I think it bespeaks the interest of the six and a half million citizens of Florida for the great expectations that they have from this hour. Well, Mr. Governor, uh, this has been a wonderful reception that uh, you've given us here. All the faces seem friendly and uh, feel very much at home. And. Uh, of course, this is a big, exciting project for us, too, you know. I mean, uh, in fact, it's the uh, biggest thing we've ever tackled. And 
and I'd like to, for the benefit of the press, explain that my brother and I have been together in our business for 42 years now. He's my big brother, and he's the one that, uh, when I was a little fellow, I used to go to with uh, some of my wild ideas, and he'd either straighten me out, put me on the right path, or something, or if he didn't agree with me, I'd, uh, I'd work on it for years until I got him to agree with me. But I must say that uh, we've had our uh, problems that way. That's been the proper balance that has been needed in our organization. And uh, he watches out for the financial side of it and the corporate side. And uh, in this project, though, I'd just like to say that uh, I didn't have to work very hard with him on this project. He was with me from the start. Now, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> Walt, everyone in the state has been thrilled with the announcement of your purchases. Uh, located some 12 miles south of Orlando, and of course they are all excited to know just what type of attraction or what type of usage will be made of this great location. We have many things in mind that could make this unique and different than Disneyland. Will it be a Disneyland? Well, uh, I've always said there will never be another Disneyland, Governor. And uh, I think it's going to work out that way. But it will be the equivalent of Disneyland. A few weeks ago on show 553, we discussed finding Florida, why, when, and how Walt Disney World came to Orlando. And in that show, we explored some of the legends of when and where Walt's second Disneyland was going to be built and why they never came to be, as well as how and why he eventually settled in Florida. Well, this week, we're going to continue that conversation as we look at exactly where in Florida Walt Disney ended and the many challenges even before the first pile of dirt was moved. And it sort of reads almost like an old pulp crime novel, right? There were decisions and deceptions and mystery and then a lot of scrambling and changes and then having to address the biggest, saddest unexpected challenge of them all. And joining me once again this week is Jim Corcus, the author of literally dozens of books, amazing books, by the way, about the Disney parks, movies, stories, and characters. And when I say characters, I mean both on the screen and behind the scenes, including his latest book, the unofficial Walt Disney World 1971 Companion, which as an aside, I absolutely love. Jim, my friend, welcome back. Well, thank you very much uh, for having me. I, I, I hope I'm not the big tragedy that's at the end of this story. <laughs> no, and, and, and again, a lot of the stories that, that uh, I shared a couple of weeks ago and I'm going to be sharing today, again, come from uh, that book. And it took me uh, uh, years uh, to, to write and research uh, the book and lots of interviews with uh, people who were uh, involved. And, and, and I actually got a very nice email this week from uh, uh, Disney legend Bob Gurr. And, and he says, uh, I'm over halfway through your book, and I found two typos. <laughs> and, and, and I was ecstatic, not, not because he had found two typos, but because that's all he had to complain about <laughs> after reading the book. He, he, he said, my gosh, yeah, he, he says, you know, you're right on the mark. You, you, you got it. And he said, 
I, I just love uh, hearing about some of these people that I worked with. And, and there's, he says, I, I was doing so many other things that I didn't get to hear some of this other stuff. And so I'm learning that in your book. So, you know, it, it, it's always great to get that uh, sort of reinforcement from the people who were actually there because, you know, you've, you've got to be really careful uh, about that because, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there that, you know, just keeps getting repeated. So you just I- accept that because the other thing he was writing about was I had written a story about uh, the Mineral King Ski Resort. Mm-hmm. And and he loved the entire article except for one sentence, <laughs> which said that he had designed a uh, high capacity ski lift uh for for the area that uh Walt loved and uh wanted uh, to sell to other you know uh places uh, uh, around the world you know to help uh, uh raise money uh, for Mineral King he says that's incorrect that never happened <laughs> i i said bob i i got this from this book and and i got this from this uh magazine that was uh, published by a, a northern california university about you know all the legal wranglings, and and so they had the description of, you know, what the proposal was for Mineral King. He says, yep, nope, the rest of the proposal was right. He says, I didn't do the ski lift. (laughs) I said, okay. (laughs) I said, I tried tried due diligence to do that research, but, you know, you just never know. But, But again, we're losing all of these people, too. So thank heavens Bob's still around here to, to, to keep me honest because, uh, a lot of these people, and, and you've been in that uh, uh, position yourself. You know, a lot of these people uh, are no longer uh, with us. You know, I, 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 in, in the book, I, I quote an awful lot from uh, uh, about the, the creation of Walt Disney World uh, from Charlie Ridgway. And Charlie Ridgway just, you know, absolutely loved you. You know, I, 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 I don't know if you remember, but uh, you, had, you held that uh, one event um, – uh, for your uh, uh, fans at the American Adventure. Mm-hmm. And before we went over there, we were, you know, uh, right next door, you know, having a, a coffee and a dessert, and we were just talking away with, with uh, 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 Charlie there, and he he was sharing some of those stories. And you, of course, had to go over and, and handle the event. I, however... Uh, sat down and wrote <laughs> wrote everything Charlie said. Right? So, so, so you know, a little bit of Lou Mangello is is in this uh, uh, book a, as well. You know, and yeah, and and last time we talked, we talked about you know all these other places that Walt was looking at. You know, because he was looking for a uh, uh, an East Coast uh, thing, but he he always had a, a fondness for for Florida because, of course. Um, his mom and dad uh, uh, got married uh, in Florida. In fact, they got married in uh, uh, Lake County. And in fact, it was the very first marriage uh, license uh, that was issued in Lake County. Uh, They got married in um, uh, uh, Flora's uh, parents' home in, in Kismet, which uh, I don't think it exists uh, uh, anymore, but uh, yeah, uh, Walt's father w- was out here. He, he worked on a uh, on a farm. He he worked uh, uh, managing the Halifax Hotel in Daytona Beach, and Halifax Hotel doesn't 
exist anymore, but uh, I think there's a Halifax Avenue or a Halifax uh, Road there, and uh, uh, he he worked as a a, a mailman in 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 Kissimmee. Uh, you know, he uh, uh, then bought an orange grove, and then he got really really uh, um, uh, sick, so that's why they uh, moved uh, uh, to Chicago because uh, uh, the World's Fair there was. Uh, uh, the, the Chicago World's Fair was being uh, uh, built, and so uh, uh, Elias got a job as a, a carpenter there. But you know, and and again, this is why it's it's hard to sometimes do research. Is um, it, uh, his mother's side of the family, you know, stayed down there, and uh, you know, uh, some of them were school teachers and uh, things like things like that. Um, uh, one uh, one was a postmaster, whatever, but a, a story that I include in the book, but uh, it was difficult to to confirm, was that uh, when Walt and uh, Roy were, were younger, that sometimes during uh, summer vacation uh, uh, from school, when they were in uh, uh, Marceline and uh, uh, all all of that, that um, uh, by golly they came down to, uh, to Florida to stay with uh, uh, Uncle Albert and Aunt Jessie. Uh, uh, Jessie was uh, 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 one of uh, Flora's sisters, Flora being uh, Walt's mom. And uh, supposedly by the Ocala National Forest, they, they spent time during the summer doing that. But but what's frustrating is, is Walt and Roy, you know, never talked about that, you know, it, it, especially Roy. Roy was you know, really res- uh, reticent about saying anything about uh, his past. So, uh, you know, uh, Walt was uh, familiar with the, this area. And, and again, the Disney organization decided um, that that was a good thing because um, if Walt unexpectedly got spotted in Florida, they could say, well, he's just tracing his roots, you know. Uh, his paternal uh, uh, grandparents are, are buried in uh, uh, a cemetery down here, and all that. And, and Walt was known for going back and trying to trace, you know, the the roots of the uh, of the uh, Disney family. And a great story that I couldn't include in the book. So here's an exclusive for uh, 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 your podcast here, and I'll I'll try and share a couple of those things because the toughest thing about a book is not writing the book and what are you going to include in the book. Sometimes the toughest thing is what do you have to leave out? (laughs) (laughs) Simply because, you know, it's a tangent or it doesn't fit in or it just repeats something that's that's already been said in a different way or from a different person or or whatever. So um, one time when Walt was in the Florida area uh, checking it out, he, again, he was with a, a couple of uh, Disney executives. He would always travel with other people, you know, to try and get feedback and all that. So they're they're in this uh, diner, and when Walt got uh, all worked up, he would uh, you know uh, lose track of, of 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 anything, and um, he'd be so focused. And and so they're there, and. Um, 
this waitress came by their table, I guess, to see if they needed some more coffee or whatever. And she looked at him and she goes, you know, you sort of look like Walt Disney. <laughs> and Walt goes, sort of. And he stands up and he's reaching into his uh, pants pocket, trying to pull out his driver's license <laughs> to show to her. And he's like, "No, no, 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 no! Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down." No, it's all right. So yeah, yeah, he 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 gets told that a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. That's and and so that's why when Walt was out there, he he would be on a pseudonym. Uh, his pseudonym was uh, Davis, Walter E. Davis. And and the reason for that was, of course, so that if somebody said Walt or whatever, you know, he would respond. He wouldn't have to try and remember, you know, what, what is my fake name. And uh, again, W.E.D. would match, you know, any monograms that, that he had and all that. And Davis, of course, came from the fact that uh, his uh, niece, Marjorie, had married uh, Marvin Davis. Marvin Davis... Um, uh, worked at Disney and uh, created the uh, layout for Disneyland and then later the uh, layout for uh, Walt Disney World. So, you know, you've got that. And in fact, Roy used Davis as a pseudonym as well. So when he went down to Miami and all of that, Roy would sign in as Roy Davis. And uh, again, there was this whole level of uh, uh, secrecy and you, you could, you can, compared it to like, you know, crime novels and all that, uh, Disney executives that I talked to compared it to like a James Bond <laughs> operation, you know, and, and, and so those people who are listening to the podcast, if, if in the background, you can, uh, keep in mind the, the, uh, theme song for mission impossible, you know, bump, because there was that level of uh, uh, secrecy, because the real fear was if people knew that uh, Disney was buying in Florida, then um, what would happen is uh, uh, prices would just, you know, shoot up uh, 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 tremendously, which they actually did. You know, when Disney was purchasing uh, large acreage uh, out in uh, central Florida, uh, they were buying it at, uh, on the average, about $185 an acre, which meant that, you know, some was a little less, some was a little more, but generally $185 a, uh, uh, an acre, which, again, you're not swindling people because that that's pretty good money for for uh, florida swampland basically you know uh nobody's interested in buying that land so uh, you know uh that that's a good solid uh uh, uh, price for that, but right. some as, of the some of the stuff, some of this property was getting sold, you know, in the back of magazines and newspapers to you know unsuspecting people who thought oh, they were right, buying. Right. Well, that, that 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 was part of the problem. Is, is you know, uh, Disney bought all of the these large parcels of 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 acreage, you know, and and then suddenly people are getting well, what was this? But what happened is that back in 1912, 1913. Uh, there was a company, the Munger Company, and what they did is they put in ads, you know, across the country that you could buy, you know, uh, a, an acre or two acres or three acres of Florida Paradise land, you know, uh, you know, for just a couple of bucks. 
and uh, people were doing this. And then they'd come out to Florida and they found that their land was just inaccessible. There was no road there or it was swamp land or some of it was even underwater because the Munger company had hired somebody to subdivide, you know, uh, sections of the land. And the guy had never been to Florida in his life. So he just divided up things. And, and so people would come out expecting, oh, my gosh, it, it, a tropical paradise. And, oh, geez, you know. And, and so some of this uh, uh, ownership, you know, people just hung on to or passed down to their kids. And sometimes their kids had never even, you know, no. It was like uh, when I was growing up, one of the things my dad did for me and my, uh, my brothers was there was a uh, – a company called uh, something like One Share, and you could l- buy like one share of uh, uh, Disney stock, or one share of uh, Wendy's, or one share of Sears, or whatever. And and so basically, you know, you could uh, paper, you know, one of your walls with these <laughs> stock certificates, you know, and uh, so. Uh, so that's basically what was happening is, is uh, Disney purchased uh, two huge land sections, but there were pockets in there that, uh, you know, had been owned by these people who had bought this this stuff, you know, decades ago. And so it, it took them, you know, uh, gosh, uh, a year, two years of calling 24 hours a day trying to track down uh, the owners of that land or um, uh, people who uh, had inherited it, you know, from, and some of them didn't even know that. So they were going through, you know, uh, county records. They were, they, they hired a, um, a, a law firm to, you know, try and track these people down. And when I say 24 hours a day, that's exactly it. That even during a hurricane, they were phoning people, you know, in California and, and Colorado and and all of this. And as I said, some of these people didn't even know that that they uh, uh, owned uh, this. And and again, uh, when I say an average of one hundred and eighty five dollars an an acre, what this is is that they had to pay three hundred bucks to some of these people because they go, well. We didn't even know we owned this, but if you're calling and want this, this must really be <laughs> valuable. So, you know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna ask for 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 this. And, and, and obviously, they're not think- saying they're obviously not saying. And this is the thing that you know we talk about the the secrecy aspect of it. This is the thing that that I love and intrigues me. And I think we're <clears throat> excuse me, all relatively familiar with how they you know they 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 came to Florida. In secret, they they stayed over in Tampa. They flew over, you know, the area which is Riles Island, and Walt said, "That's it." Mm-hmm. But everything, sort of leading even up to this point, was done in secret. So you know, you couldn't call. They couldn't call from their hotel directly to Disney. They had to call New York, and that call would get forwarded. There was so much going on that, well. First of all, it was not only in secret, but couldn't even happen today, right? They were flying with fake names. They were going, you know, taking one-way trips from California to Kansas City to Buffalo to Florida just to sort of throw people off the trail. Oh, oh, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and again, uh, the uh, 
uh, law firm uh, that Disney was using was uh, uh, Donovan, uh, Leisure, Newton, and Irvine. And uh, they were a New York uh, law firm, so you're right. So all calls went to, to up there to New York and then would be funneled out uh, to California. But the Donovan in that law firm name, that was uh, 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 Wild Bill uh, Donovan, William Donovan. He, he was the guy uh, who formed uh, during World War II the uh, Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, mm-hmm. and that's developed into the CIA. And and so Donovan is considered, you know, the father of the CIA, and many of the people he had working for his law firm were people who had uh, uh, connections, uh, you know, with with uh, basically spies. You know, in, in fact, one of the, the people who were working at that time uh, for that law firm uh, was uh, uh, William Casey, who would later go on to be director of the CIA. And uh, they also hooked them up with a um, uh, uh, a M- Miami uh, uh, law firm uh, uh, run by Paul Hellowell. And uh, Hellowell was the guy who helped launch the CIA's secret war and into China. And and the reason he was in Miami is he had been working uh, for the CIA uh, in in 1960 there to coordinate dirty tricks against uh, uh, Fidel Castro. (laughs) So basically, Disney is having these law firms who have these CIA connections uh, uh, to do this. And, and in fact, uh, Hallowell is, is the, is the guy who came up with the idea of, uh, look, you, you want to, um, uh, uh, run this property, then, uh, you better, you know, uh, create that, uh, Reedy Creek improvement district. You know, you better have a, uh, two cities there and then you can control all of that. And Hallowell is also the guy who came up with, um, uh, the dummy corporations. You didn't want to have just one corporation buying the land because then that was going to be suspicious and un- under investigation. So you have uh, a bunch of different uh, corporations. So uh, he came up with the names uh, Tomahawk Properties, uh, Reedy Creek Ranch, uh, Latin American Development and Management Corporation, um, uh, Madeira Land Company, Compass East Corporation, Bay Lake Properties, and and then again my two favorites. <laughs> and uh, uh, for those who wanted uh, to see that, they, they can they can see those on the uh, at, at Walt Disney World on uh, Main Street and Center Street up there on a uh, a second floor uh, window. There's uh, a, a, a window that's called uh, the pseudonym real estate. Uh, uh, development company, and they list these, and and they also list um, Roy Davis, Roy's uh, uh, pseudonym, uh, uh, up there as uh, as the president. And so, besides those other ones I named, they also had um, A Y E F O U R Corporation, which which of course is is what Lou I four for the interstate I four interstate. Yep, that's it. <laughs> And then the very famous M T L O T T Empty Lot Company. <laughs> real actually uh Empty Lot um real estate investments. Uh 
And so uh, basically, uh, Hellowell came up with all of these different ones of, you know, so that uh, you wouldn't go, you know, why why is uh, uh, Tomahawk Properties buying all of this land? Who owns Tomahawk Properties? If you have, you know, a half dozen or more different ones, you know, then it's like, well, why would someone like Howard Hughes, who, who they suspected was buying the land, why would he have these different companies? He'd only have, have one company for that. And, and again, you know, uh, uh, taking a step back, something that, that you were mentioning was that, yeah, they, um, uh, they, they came out, uh, you know, to, to look at, uh, uh, in, uh, uh, 63, in fall of 63, uh, Walt and, uh, uh, Don Tatum, Card Walker, Joe Potter, Buzz Price, Jack Sayers, a bunch of them, you know, they came down, you know, to check out, you know, what, what should we be picking, you know, uh, out here, you know, and, and it was Walt's feeling that, yeah, you, you better pick in um the central florida area you know because they were looking down at miami because that was the big tourist spot you know and um uh, uh walt said no he did he didn't want to be down there he did he also didn't want to be n- next to uh you know the uh, uh beach because first off the beach is distracting and he and he didn't want people you know uh, in, in, in wet swimsuits, you know, walking into, uh, Epcot. So, and so he said, you know, we've got to be further up. We've got to be further inland. And, uh, that would also, uh, offer protection from hurricanes because back in those days, it was like the hurricanes wouldn't hit in, in central Florida. You know, they, they'd hit down there near Miami and, uh, all of that, but, uh, and they'd hit, you know, along the coast, but they wouldn't hit inland. And, uh, then of course it's, it's like, uh, you know, one of the, the big things of course is you've got that, um, uh, uh, cross section there, you know, they're, they're building I four and, uh, I four would connect with, uh, um, uh, I 95, and and so basically that would go up straight from Miami up to Maine. And Walt's feeling was, you know, people are coming down to Miami. If we put it right in the center of the state, then people driving down, you know, to Miami, they'll stop it over here at Epcot or on their way back up, they'll stop or we'll get them, you know, both times. And, um, uh, then, then you had, uh, uh, the, uh, East West, you had, uh, um, I 75 that would link with, uh, uh, I 10. So, uh, uh, that, that would span, you know, uh, right from, uh, uh, one part of the state all the way to California. So Jim, and, wait, c- and, correct, correct me if I'm wrong in terms of, of a story. You, well, that, you're wrong. Lou. Uh, well, and of course, why, <laughs> why would just, you have your own podcast? Why would you be doing this for decades? Let me yeah, rephrase it. Tell no, me go how, ahead. What, what, what do you want to tell talk me about? how much of, of this story that I have heard is wrong it, is we, we know that in, in November of 63, this is sort of when this this infamous flyover of the property came mm-hmm. to be. It's the when he when they land in New Orleans, they find out it's the day that that Kennedy was assassinated. But as he's flying over, 
a section of property um, by Bay Lake, sort of where Riles Island was, mm-hmm. is. That's sort of where, you know, according to story, he's like, that's it. This is going to be the place um, that we build. I've heard people say and I've read over the years, well, Walt, you know, we talk about Disneyland as, as the place where Walt walked and there's something special to it. And yes, while Walt never actually saw, you know, Magic Kingdom here being built, he did actually walk the property. And I've seen a picture of... Mm-hmm. Walt on property, and I've tried to actually, and by asking people and researching, tried to figure out exactly where it was. And from what I understand, if, and I'm sure you're familiar with the photograph I'm talking about, the the place that he was standing and sort of looking out, you know, over the water would be where currently the the marina of the contemporary exists. And I've actually, you know, I sort of made my incredibly nerdy pilgrimage out there trying to find yeah. that spot. And I stood there. I'm like, okay, now I can say I've I've walked walked where Walt walked. Uh, yeah, and I don't know there, if it's and, 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 and actually if if you've been to Cinderella Castle, you walked where Walt walked because he walked that particular uh, patch of land uh, uh, as well, where Cinderella uh, cast, and and the and the the funny thing is, is you say, well, Walt never saw this. It's interesting on on uh, on opening day at Walt Disney World, uh, uh, one of the executives came up to Roy Disney and said, "Boy, it, it's a shame Walt didn't get to see this." And Roy looked at him and smiled and said, "He did." And <laughs> and and what Roy meant was. That when Walt was out there, you know, the rest of them just saw, uh, you know, uh, uh, flat land and 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 tangled uh, uh, woods and uh, all of this nonsense and 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 bugs and uh, all of this. But but Walt saw the castle. Walt Walt saw a city. Walt saw all of this, you know, in his mind. Clearly, you know, it, it it was this. It was just like, well, that, well, yes, people will build this, but I I know exactly what this is going to to look like as that uh, happens. And and yes, uh, um, uh, that uh, November, you know, they came down and and they were just uh, uh, double double checking. Um, they uh, went and they. Uh, 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 took a look at, um, you know, the Ocala area as well, because they were thinking of maybe, uh, going there instead of into the, uh, central, uh, uh, into the Orlando, uh, uh, location. And, uh, you know, they even, uh, uh, visited the, uh, citrus tower in, in, uh, in, uh, Claremont there, you know, so they, they were looking around. Yeah. And, and the plane flight was also to determine, you know, gee, would it make more sense, you know, to to be, you know, uh, more towards the west coast or the east east coast, you know, maybe towards the uh, uh, ocean a little bit more? And and nope, that was not the case. And yes, as, as they were flying over, uh, uh, Walt said, uh, "That's it." <laughs> And, 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 you know, he also saw, as they were flying over, he also saw that huge tree that Bill Evans later um, uh, relocated over, and it became the uh, Liberty Tree. 
you know, in, in Liberty Square there, it, it was over on another uh, portion of uh, uh, the property there. And yes, um, uh, they flew through and, and then they had to uh, land in um, New Orleans because, uh, again, in, in those days, you know, especially with uh, a, a small uh, plane, you have to stop to refuel. So they were going to stop uh, overnight in uh, New Orleans, and they landed there about 6 o'clock uh, uh, in the evening. And uh, as they were driving to their hotel, they saw people uh, huddled around, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, radios. You know, in those days, they had those Japanese transistor radios, too, and, and people standing, you know, in front of uh, uh uh, storefronts that had uh, uh, televisions that were running and, and all of that. And it wasn't until they got to the hotel that uh, they were told that, uh, uh, yes, you know, uh, President uh, uh, Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy, had been uh, assassinated. And so they stayed overnight. And then the next morning, um, everybody was really quiet on the plane. You know, there was no... Uh, discussion and as they started to uh, come in uh, to Burbank, um, Walt uh, goes, uh, uh, you know, well that's the place, Central Florida, and uh, but just saying that was not enough. You got you got to go and you gotta you gotta buy that land, you know. And and Walt liked Central Florida because first off. Um, uh, the weather, you, you can run the park, you know, year round, you know, a, a, as we discussed last time, some of those uh, uh, other areas uh, on the East Coast, uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, amusement parks and all that uh, uh, just can't operate, you know, during the winter. Um, you know, and, and again, with the snow and all of that, people couldn't get there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Florida, Basically, you can operate uh, uh, year-round, so, you know, uh, good weather, uh, and basically, plenty of land, plenty of land. Um, And and so, just very quick, so going back to the the acquisition of the land, right, we sort of talk about how most of this land or a lot of this land was not necessarily usable. It was mucky, murky swampland. Mm-hmm. Although, although the Riles Island, just to quickly go back, the Riles Island that they had gone over in Bay Lake, that island is is still there. That actually was Treasure Island back in seventy three or seventy four. But there was actually somebody who was living on there. There was a yeah, yeah. There there, there was a hunter's shack over there because again, a, a lot of people don't realize this was pretty much wilderness uh, uh, out here, you know? And, and so hunters would come out, and, and there was a lot of uh, uh, wildlife uh, uh, out here. And, and even when uh, uh, Disney was uh, uh, building, you know, starting in, in uh, 69, 70, you know, 71, you're running into, you know, uh, bears and and and, <laughs> and their families in, in the area where uh, Fort, Fort Wilderness Campground is now. 
there were tons of, of alligators. There were wild animals. And, and so hunters came out. So, yeah, there was a hunter's cabin uh, out there uh, on the island. There's even a, a, a photo of uh, uh, Roy uh, out there. You know, and um, so so this is what uh, uh, this. But the whole land out here here was a mess. Yeah, there was a, there was a ton of land that that you could get. But you know, we were talking about uh, one of those uh, large um, uh, land acreage that uh, uh, got uh, uh, purchased uh, that belonged to uh, Erlo Bronson. You know, so when people come out here and they go, what is Bronson Highway out here? What does that mean? Uh, Earl Bronson was a, a pretty big mover and a shaker. You know, he was a state senator and, you know, he had a, a, a cattle ranch and and all that. And he did sold uh, some of it uh, uh, to the Dimitri brothers. And uh, so uh, uh, Disney purchased the Dimitri land and then uh, uh, Bronson's land as well. But. The the thing is, is when Bronson bought the land, he bought it again, you know, for for you know cattle to graze and things like that. And the land had been owned by um, Tufts University in Massachusetts, and Tufts University sold the land to Bronson, but they didn't sell underneath the land. They still retained the rights underneath the land in case there were uh, minerals there. And so part of the agreement was that Tufts University could come in any time and dig down, you know, to try and uh, uh, pull out some minerals from from the soil and all that. So Disney had to go and, uh, uh, you know, negotiate with uh, Tufts, uh, you know, to, to buy the mineral rights uh, to all of that land. And, and again, this, this was... Um, one of those James Bond operations where it was like, you know, Tufts was going, uh, they, again, they didn't know this was Disney and uh, they didn't, why, why are you so interested in, in buying the mineral rights? And, you know, what, what is it? And, you know, they had no intention of, of, of uh, exercising that, but they, they wanted to keep their options open and Hellowell uh, apparently it, took one of the main guys aside into a private room <laughs> and they were there for a while. And when the guy came out, they relinquished uh, all the rights for like 15,000 bucks, which is uh, more or less uh, uh, pennies. Um, you know, and uh, just that, that land Bronson and, and Dimitri's land there, that, uh, that the, the Disney uh, uh, company paid, uh, a million eight hundred thousand plus, you know, uh, for that. Overall, all of the land that Disney purchased uh, uh, totaled uh, over five million dollars, and that's right. just for the land. That's that's before you you start doing any construction, before you start doing anything. Which which you know? which considering there's twenty seven thousand plus acres, it it's a bargain, right? By twenty twenty nineteen standards, and there's about yeah, well it it is, and 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 I I always had to to laugh at uh, 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 Roy's uh, 
uh, uh, comment that, you know, uh, uh, thank heavens they found out Disney <laughs> was buying the land or Walt would be buying more land to this day, you know? Right. Well, wasn't there, um, I mean, not that there was a conflict, but wasn't there, and, you know, this is why there were sort of two sides to the Disney Brothers coin, didn't Walt want to just keep on, you know, buy, continue to buy as much land as possible because we don't oh, know? Oh, gosh, yeah. And Roy uh, was uh, like, no, uh, no, no, uh, we, we when, spent When enough. I interviewed Joe Fowler uh, over the phone, before he passed away, he, he said, you know, uh, if Walt had had his way, he would have bought 50,000 acres, you know, because, again, um, the the initial plan was Walt was going to buy 10,000 acres. That, that that was what, you know, uh, the law firm and, and then they uh, later uh, 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 partnered with uh, Florida Land, uh, land Ranch to, uh, you know, uh, uh, determined land to be purchased, the original goal was 10,000 acres because Walt felt, you know, so constrained in Disneyland, you know, that, that around Disneyland, these cheap little uh, motels and souvenir shops and huge neon signs and all that, 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 Walt always referred to as like a secondhand Las Vegas there. He felt that not only do you need to have enough land, you know, to to uh, really build, you know, what you want to build, but you need to have enough land to have a buffer around it because that affects people who have to drive in through all of that stuff to get to your location and then have to drive through all of that stuff after they leave your location. You know, it, it, it affects that overall experience. So he felt 10,000 was enough. But as they were doing this, um, more land uh, was becoming uh, available. And at uh, at one time, they uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, people uh, finding land for uh, uh, the Disney company came across five thousand more acres. And Walt said, "Well, we should." And and Roy, of course, was very fiscally uh, uh, conservative. And he said, no, we should stick with just the 10,000. And and Walt said, look, how much would you pay now to have an additional 5,000 acres around Disneyland? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Roy went quiet and then goes, okay, buy the land. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, they, they learn from the issues, and if you've been to Disneyland, you know you know the, there's there's a the experience of coming to the park is very very different. You don't have that multiple mile buffer between the outside world and the the bubble that is Walt Disney mm-hmm. World. And I think Jim, that's why a lot of the speculation initially when they saw all of these transactions happening was that it had to be some sort of major manufacturer. This was not going to be something on a small scale. That's why it was, you know, aviation companies and Lockheed and Volkswagen and Chrysler or, or even, you know, maybe because of some of the mystery yeah, Howard no, Hughes. No, you, 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 you hit a, a lot of the, the, the rumors there. And, uh, yeah, Ford Motors and uh, a bunch of, and I, I mentioned uh, Howard Hughes. They they thought maybe he'd be building a big helicopter plant out here, and that that Hughes was uh, always known for secrecy. Uh, Rockefeller, you know, I, I, and in fact, one of the the major rumors was uh, the mafia was <laughs> buying all of this land 
because they were going to build a casino. And uh, then they could also dump bodies into the swampland out there. And so, uh, you know, people were, were thinking that. Disney came up, but um, Walt was out at uh, uh, Cape Kennedy in, in 65 because uh, uh, Werner von Braun, uh, who is now director of uh, NASA, had invited uh, Walt uh, to come out and see uh, uh, Cape Kennedy and, uh, and uh, Huntsville and, and all of that because he was trying to get uh, Walt all worked up uh, to do another uh, show for his uh, uh, television series about outer space because Von Braun was getting very frustrated that, um, you know, uh, there was, he, he wanted to go to the moon, wanted to go to the moon. And, uh, you know, the U.S. government was dragging its feet and all that. And he had seen that in the 50s when he had done those three shows with Walt, that that got Eisenhower, you know, all excited about, you know, launching, you know, satellites and things like this. And so, boy, if we can get Walt excited and do a show, that'll get, you know, the American public excited and that'll get the government excited and we'll, we'll go to the moon. And so Walt was out in, in uh, uh, Cape Kennedy in 65 and somebody said, well, we heard that uh, uh, Disneyland, Disney is, is buying all of this. And, and and Walt goes, no, no. He, he said, Walt didn't say no. But what Walt said was that he was already spending, you know, um, millions of dollars to uh, expand uh, 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 Disneyland. You know, there, there was the, the, the whole new thing in uh, uh, 67, the new Tomorrowland in, in 67. And then right after that, uh, uh, two years after that, the... Uh, um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and so he he said, "Oh, I'm spending millions of dollars uh, out there, and and you know I just don't have the time, and I just don't have the talent, you know, uh, my my hands are full." And so they just believed Walt. Why would Walt Disney lie, <laughs> right? But but he didn't say no. I'm not <laughs> to land. He just said, "Look at all these other things. It it doesn't seem to make sense, you know." Uh, uh, for for all of that uh, uh, to be happening, you know, and ah, uh, oh, gosh, you 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 just gotta uh, love uh, uh, Walt, but but of course, you know, we're we're talking. This is uh, sixty five, and so um, he is going to get tripped up. He is going to get tripped up big time because. Uh, 65 is when, uh, Disney is doing its big, uh, celebration, you know, celebrating 10 years of Disney. And, and of course, if you're going to have this big celebration, and, and again, we have to realize too, that when Disneyland first opened, a lot of people just considered it a, um, a local attraction. You know, and Walt's plan was, and that's why he, he was constantly promoting it on his TV series, was he wanted it to be recognized as a national attraction. You know, that, that even if you're living in, in, in Iowa or you're living in Texas or whatever, you should think about coming out, you know, to the West Coast. You know, you can go to the beach, you can go to Knott's Berry Farm, you can 
pick oranges, you know, and uh, spend time at, at Disneyland, you know. So it, it, in order to, you know, get national attention, uh, uh, Charlie Ridgway was, uh, you know, uh, pulling in uh, reporters uh, from around the country to, to come out and uh, uh, see, you know, Disneyland in, in 65. And, and Disney still does that uh, to to this day, they do it with you, right? When there are new things that are opening and, and whatever, they go to Lumangelo. Let's have Lumangelo come out and 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 take a look, you know, because maybe he'll start telling people uh, uh, about this. And uh, uh, so, you know, they were flying in um, uh, people in in the Disney plane, which could hold maybe about a dozen uh, people. So, you know, they were bringing in different people at at, at the different times uh, to do this. And now when they got to the uh, uh, Florida, Georgia, uh, Alabama uh, area, you know, there were several larger papers that just weren't interested in making the trip. It, it's like, you know, uh, we don't think our readers are, are interested in this or our readers are not going to make, you know, a, a trip to the West Coast. You know, that's, again, one of the reasons why Walt wanted to build something on the East coast is that a lot of the people on the East coast weren't coming out, you know, to Disneyland. Yeah. I'll come out and visit Disneyland, but you know, maybe that's a day or a couple of days experience. That's not it. You know, um, wasn't considered, you know, a vacation destination. And, uh, uh so somebody suggested to, to, uh, to Charlie, uh, uh, that maybe they should, uh, uh, go to Orlando. And Charlie had never even heard of Orlando. It it was such a small rinky dink agricultural, you know, rural little city, but he took a look and he, he saw that, um, you know, the, uh, uh, Orlando Sentinel there, uh, was, uh, you know, it had a, a, a fair amount of, uh, uh, circulation, you know, that, that was the biggest, paper in in the area at 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 that time and uh so he figured okay well a bunch of these others are turning me down we we've got some spots left on on the plane we'll we'll ask Orlando Sentinel and Orlando Sentinel considered it so um insignificant that they sent Emily Bavar Emily Bavar was the editor of their uh, uh uh, Sunday uh, magazine that that went into the uh, uh, Sunday edition of, uh, of the newspaper. So, so again, this is you know uh, like those fluff pieces, you, you know, and, and go out and 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 do a piece on on the dog show or or you know uh, uh, the uh, uh, Girl Scouts that are making the biggest chocolate chip <laughs> cookie in in Florida or whatever. <laughs> You know, and and so let's we're not going to send our top of the line reporters. We'll we'll send uh, Emily Bovar, and and the moment she gets off uh, uh, the plane, she sees uh, Charlie, who's who's welcoming you know all the reporters, and she says, "What's this we hear about Disney buying a lot of land in Florida?" And Ridgeway was basically clueless, you know, because. The, there was only a, a, a small, small group. You know, after that uh, uh, plane trip over over Florida, uh, 
a couple of days later is is when they set up the war room to to start uh uh you know uh, doing that and that that was less than a dozen people and and it was called project winter and then later it was called project x and then project future you know it it was never called project florida until after the uh, you know official uh, announcement was made you know because again it's that James Bond secrecy, bump, 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 you know, Project X, you know. And so Ridgeway was very sincere, and, and he goes, I haven't heard of any of that. You know, I guess you'd have to ask Walt when you see him at lunch tomorrow. And um, She's like, okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was basically it, you know, um, uh, uh, she went to, to to lunch, and 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 Walt sees this uh, woman reporter, and and Walt, of course, could just turn on the charm and 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 the the whole bit, and um, you know, uh, he he didn't expect anybody from you know Central Florida coming out because that wasn't you know on the original uh, uh, manifest there, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, so he was taken, you know, a little, uh, by, su- by surprise there. And, um, so she started asking him, uh, these, uh, uh, uh questions and, um, uh, uh, later, uh, uh, in life, she said, yeah, I was asking these questions. It was like, I, threw a bucket of water in his face. He, he looked stunned and he said, but he recovered. And, and she said, what I found was, was curious was, you know, uh, he offered, uh, climate and population reasons why Florida would be unacceptable, you know, and, and then at, in, in the next breath, how some of those things can be overcome, you know, and, um, then uh, he, he 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 would say no it, it it's too hot and it's too wet and you know it's too remote and you know there there's no uh and 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 she said you know for a guy who was not interested in buying land in florida he seemed to know an awful lot about <laughs> florida <laughs> you know and and so she sent back you know uh, a, an uh, an article and uh, the Orlando Sentinel uh, printed it, but but again, just in a, a, a small, out of the way section. You know, I, I talked with Walt Disney, and you know, all of this. And then when she flew back, you know, the editors and uh, the publisher, uh, you know, sat down and, and talked with her, and they were pretty convinced by by her. And so they actually put. Um, um, October 21st, 1965, they put a larger article and they even had an editor's postscript where they apologized for not giving this story more attention when it was first, when she first submitted it. And so, uh, she did this and apparently the reaction was very strong because, uh, in the Sunday edition, which was, uh, October 24th, which, uh, about three days later, um, there was the big headline, Orlando Sentinel says, we say mystery industry is Disney, you know? Now, um, uh, Joe Potter, 
uh, was the guy that Walt had uh, brought in from the New York World's Fair uh, to help, you know, uh, prepare the land. So he was down there taking a look at, you know, what, what's going to, uh, you know, be needed, you know, uh, to, to get this and uh, control the water and all of this. And he, he was staying at, uh, uh, again, a, a little motel, because there's not really any hotels in Orlando and all of this time. And, and he's staying there uh, along with uh, uh, Bob Foster, who is the uh, 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 one of the Disney legal people uh, who were doing this. And, and you mentioned Kansas City, flying to Kansas City. Uh, uh, Bob Foster's um, mom, lived in in Kansas City so when he would leave Florida he would he would make that stop in Kansas City you know to to visit his mom and all that but before he went on on to to California and so people were taking a look at wait a minute this is a guy who's who's doing a, a bunch of stuff here for these corporations and he's in Kansas he's going to Kansas City so you know what you know what's what's in Kansas City you know TWA and you know Howard Hughes all is that it you know for for that to happen and and again Foster's name was um listed in the um uh, annual report so uh he had to go under a uh, a pseudonym as as well his um middle name was uh Price uh Robert Price Foster so uh, he went by the pseudonym Bob Price, so a lot of people just knew him in Orlando as Bob Price, you know, for that to happen. So he 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 was he was over there uh, as well, and so you know Potter comes comes down for for breakfast and looks <laughs> at the front page of the um, uh, Orlando Sentinel and says, "We say mystery," and and they have all of this uh, uh, assumption. From um, uh, 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 Emily Bavar, who uh, uh, who you know ends it with with saying, you know, Walt said there will only be one Disneyland, and then he paused as such. <laughs> <laughs> you can almost, you almost get the sense that he wanted to say it, like that he was. Oh, he, oh God! Oh, he gosh, always kept yeah. on appending, and and and, uh, and kudos to her for picking up on those very small, almost insignificant cues that individually probably wouldn't have amounted to much, but together, like, he wasn't saying it was, but he wasn't saying it wasn't. Look, for some reason, I, I think of the end of the original wait, Iron wait, Man wait, movie. Well, both, both <laughs> Potter and uh, uh, Foster phoned Walt immediately because they felt that they were going to get blamed for, you know, uh, uh, the the leak and, and all of that, and Walt assured them, no, he, he Walt... <laughs> Walt basically told Potter, he says, I guess I just talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, he, he, he was all excited about this. And, and so they realized they had to do um, damage control. So this was Sunday the 24th. And on uh, Monday the 25th, um, uh, the governor of Florida, uh, Hayden Burns, was scheduled to speak at a, uh, uh, a, a convention. And so uh, Disney, which didn't want to announce this until November, um, gave him permission to announce there, you know, so that they could get uh, ahead of this. Now, one of the things I want to point out, too, is that when you read this story, 
in um, uh, other articles, other books, whatever. You know, uh, uh, Emily is, is is referred to as the girl reporter. You know, and so uh, for the book, I, I did uh, some research, and when she went out to talk to Walt, she was forty-five years old. <laughs> So, so, so she was as much a girl reporter as uh, Lois Lane. <laughs> well, and it's just was interesting again—a a girl reporter, a sign of the times, having to, you know, the the fact that they sort of um, specifically called out that she was a female reporter instead of just saying reporter is convinced that it's Walt Disney. Right, and 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 and, and you know, again, you have to realize they sent her because again, it's like we're not going to send our top-of-the-line reporters, you know. Uh, this will be a, a, a nice little a, a, a trip for, the, for, the, for this uh, woman here, you know, uh, to go out there and, and, and spend, you know, a, a couple of days because, uh, you know, we can't, you know, send a couple of men. We have work to do out here. Men are doing the work, you know. She, she's just doing this little fluff Sunday uh, uh, magazine, you know, uh, for all of that. And so it, it's interesting that, uh, uh, that's, that's what tripped them up is that they, um, they underestimated everybody underestimated the power of a woman <laughs> for, for, for that, uh, uh, to happen. And, and then uh, again, you know, the announcement was made and, and so people are going crazy cause they're thinking, Oh my gosh, there's going to be a, a, a Disneyland in in uh, um, in in Florida, and and need to realize that Walt never intended that there would be Disneyland East, you know, uh, uh, that type of thing. He uh, again, his vision was was something else, and uh, that's why it was very frustrating when there was the official uh, press conference on November fifteenth, nineteen sixty five. Uh, that was at the uh, Cherry Plaza Hotel, which I don't think exists uh, uh, anymore. But uh, Walt's there, and uh, uh, Governor Burns, and 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 Roy, and uh, all of that, you know. And the state troopers are bringing them in in this black limousine, and you know all of, all of this. And basically, everybody, everybody was waiting for Walt to say, "I'm building another Disneyland." And Walt, gosh, not saying that. And uh, uh, in fact, one of the things I did for the book, because again, it's, it's very important to go with, um, you know, uh, original documents and uh, uh, first person documents, is I sat down and I transcribed Walt's press conference on, on November 15th. Uh, word for word. And, and I know you've been very kind and say, well, you know, Jim, there are people you can pay to do that. But, but uh, again, especially, uh, with this, I wanted to make sure because oftentimes I've seen transcriptions where, you know, words have been left out or, you know, whatever. And so I think on YouTube, you can, you can go and you can see part of the press conference. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, nobody has, Nobody transcribed it. You know, I would have loved to have found somebody who transcribed it so I could have cut and pasted it into the book. But 
I couldn't. So, you know, I, I, I included that. And, uh, uh, even governor Burns, uh, uh, had to, uh, um, uh, summarize at, at the end there that, uh, uh, that uh, Mr. Disney is, is saying that, you know, he, he's going to build something, uh, uh, an entertainment venue comparable, uh, you know, uh, uh, to Disneyland, but it would be different. And in fact, during the conference, uh, too, uh, Walt said that there would be different things because one of the points was uh, to get maybe some of the people from California to fly out to Florida to see this because there would be different things, you know. Uh, well, it's interesting uh, too because this was a, a completely unscripted. You know, there was, Walt did not oh, sit yeah. there with with cue cards and a script that you know Marty or somebody wrote for him. This was just Walt sort of going very much conversationally off the cuff. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and, and <laughs> I, I I remember talking to uh, Bob Thomas, who wrote I think one of the the best books about. Walt, uh, uh, you know, uh, an American original, Walt Disney, an American original. And, and I, I remember two things I, I that Bob, uh, uh, told me, um, uh, uh, it, uh, about that. But one of them he, he told me is that, you know, um, first off, he, t- he told me he never would have wanted to work for Walt because Walt would have been too tough a boss. He loved Walt. And he respected Walt, but he never would have wanted Walt to work for Walt. But the second thing he told me is, you know, you ask Walt a question, and he will give you an answer about what he wants to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it has no relationship to any of it. And, and so you, you see that at, at the uh, press conference there, too, because there's all these rumors that he's going to build um, uh, uh, two towns. Uh, that one is going to be called yesterday and one is going to be called tomorrow, you know, and uh, I, I, there's all sorts of talk about it. And, and after the press conference, there, there's there's no parades or rioting in the streets or uh, whatever, but there is rejoicing that, oh, my gosh, you know, Disney, Disney is coming here. But uh Walt was so vague and he was purposely vague because I, I think he felt that if he had tried to explain Epcot, it would have been so unusual, so out of the ordinary that people wouldn't have been able to conceive this. I, I, I don't think people realize that when Epcot center opened, one of the big things was people didn't grasp what, an Epcot was and, and what is the Epcot name? And, and, and in fact, you go back and you take a look at some of those news reports and, and all of that. And, and, and you see reporters just sort of stumbling over the word of Epcot. So I, I think at this uh, press conference, the, the deal was, you know, I don't want to, you know, scare them <laughs> more or less, you know, but, but I want to assure them that, yes, we're going to be doing something. And, uh, you know, uh, Roy's on, on board for this. And, and so of course, again, you know, we were talking about Disney, uh, uh, paying about $185 an acre on average. As soon as it was officially announced that Disney was the one buying the land and they hadn't 
bought all of the land yet. There were still bits and pieces that needed to uh, uh, come together, but they had options on on uh, uh, all of this, options to to buy this land. Uh, sometimes an acre of land uh, would go for eighty thousand dollars, and in fact, uh, there was one acre of land that eventually sold uh, to Standard Oil to build a gas station for three hundred thousand dollars an acre. And uh, and Standard Oil felt that they had gotten a bargain because in those days, too, people didn't fly to Orlando. You know, everybody drove cars. And and so Standard Oil felt that if they had, you know, right on the periphery of Disney property, the only gas station, you know, uh, the only game in town, so to speak. Yeah, that's worth three hundred thousand dollars an acre. Right, like 15, now, what is it, 15, 20% back at that time would be coming to the area by airplane as opposed to yes, what the number yes. are now. And, and, and again, there, there really wasn't even a uh, a, a sizable airport. Uh, airport. It was uh, uh, the McCoy Jetport, which was actually part of an old military uh, airport. And, and remember in those days, too, that we're not talking about uh, jets. We're talking about uh, uh, prop uh, planes. I, I don't know if uh, uh, any of your listeners are, are old enough to remember, you know, that, um, you know, you, it, they would wheel out these steps onto the tarmac. <laughs> you have to walk up the steps into the airplane and um, uh, you could look out and you'd see the propellers, you know, uh, start to go. You know, it, it, for for that uh, to happen, you know, it and again, it, it it's all very cramped too because, you know, my gosh, this thing is metal and you're tossing it up in the air. You don't, you don't want anything, you know, so heavy it's it, it's going to drop. And here's a here's an interesting uh, uh, trivia question. Um, uh, so where did the concept come from? of those uh, little uh, uh, jetway extensions that we have now that, you know, uh, go out uh, and, and, you know, connect to the airplane. So you don't have to go out and walk up steps. You just, you know, walk across. That is actually... The the telescoping, uh, like the telescoping jetways? Right, yeah. And, 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 And I will tell you that that was inspired by Disney. Really? And it was inspired by Disney as early as 1955. And it was inspired by Disney as early as 1955 by John Hench. Boy, what a tease I am, right? <laughs> uh, I, basically, I, I, I've been doing some research because this year, of course, is the uh, uh, 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 uh, moon landing. And uh, so I've been looking at, you know, Disney's connection with with outer space in the first um, Tomorrowland episode, Man in Space, uh, in uh, 1955, it was run on the Disney weekly television show. Uh, They do a um, with animation, they show people would board, you know, the rocket ship and the rocket ship would take off. Well. My gosh, that that's expensive to animate people walking across a tarmac and, you know, climbing up steps to get into the rocket and all that. So John Hench 
came up with that design that, my gosh, what would happen is that jetway would extend out into the rocket ship. And so that is how um, the uh, rocket to the moon attraction was designed at Disneyland, that basically you're going through that little jetway into the rocket ship. You don't have to climb up steps to no get kidding. into the rocket ship. <laughs> and and so somebody somewhere took a look at that and goes, well, that makes sense. <laughs> we could do that with planes. So so anyway, the uh, McCoy um, uh, jet port, and, and again, that's why if you're flying into uh, Orlando on your luggage tag, it says MCO. It's because that was the designation of that area. Uh, uh, McCoy uh, Jetport expanded into Orlando International Airport, but it retained that same uh, uh, designation, MCO, McCoy. See, isn't it great to listen to Lou's <laughs> podcast where you learn all of this stuff so, so you can go and, and, and you can tease all of your friends who, you know, think they know everything about uh, uh, Disney and, and you can go with this? So anyway, on the land... And I think we talked about this maybe off mic, uh, that uh, to make sure that the land was secure, they had a resident live on that land. Uh, do you remember that, uh, Lou, uh, from the book there? Yeah. Philip so and Smith. Yeah, and that, that's a name that's very much lost. I mean, you talk about, you know, bits of, of trivia and obscura. We we I think maybe well maybe we take for granted the fact that because of this this quasi governmental municipality that's created there have to be and this is maybe a separate conversation for, for what's going to have to be part three of the show that there have to be people that live in the the, the vicinity of the, in the Lake Buena Vista Reedy Creek Development District that have voting rights and things like that and that there have to be actual residents there. And that there had to be a very first one, and the the name Philip Smith is is certainly a name I think that's been you know lost. Right, and and uh, uh, he um, uh, uh, was actually a lawyer with uh, Hellowell's uh, uh, law firm, and he was operating out in uh, Orlando, uh, one of those bogus uh, companies, the Compass uh, East Corporation. He he, he was. Uh, in charge of that. And then Bob Foster felt, you know, really to secure this area, you need to have maybe a family living there. And so in June 66, um, Smith and his family, his wife, and uh, he had a uh, son and a daughter. Um, you talked about a cabin out on, on Riles. There were houses, there were little uh, hunting cabins and houses all, you know, around on the property because people would come there, you know, again, you know, on, on a vacation or something like that. So they, they moved into this little house that was already on property. And it, it's roughly about where uh, uh, Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa is uh, today. But in those days, that was uh, pretty much uh, uh, the wilderness. You know, there, there were two unlit uh, dirt roads that connected to the main county road and the closest shopping uh, the Smith family could do was in Winter Garden, you know, and 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 just to, just to go to Orlando is uh, uh, fifteen miles uh, away, and and again, it, it, the neighbors there were 
raccoons and and <laughs> owls and uh, alligators and you, you know th- things like that. And again, uh, when uh, Disney, when Walt and and executives came out, they would go and uh, they they would go to the Smith uh, residence uh, there, you know, uh, because there were three bedrooms, so they could uh, set aside. Uh, a bedroom, you know, for visitors. And then they had Jeeps um, uh, to take people out on property. And and uh, here's another story that, again, just did not have enough room for in the book because the book's already 300 pages, you know. Um, this could have gone on for 600 pages. But Smith told a story of, of one time Walt coming out with Lillian and packing him onto the into the Jeep, you know, to go out and take a look on, on the, on the property there. And Walt just loving this and Lillian just being so upset about, you know, being jostled. And, you know, it's like, I never want to come back to Florida <laughs> again is basically what she said, you know? And, um, uh, and Lillian of course, of course was like that, you know, it, 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 it took that, uh, uh, monorail in uh, in in germany that was uh, you know the suspended from from the uh, uh, overhead rail and and it would just swing back and forth and she goes i don't want to ride a monorail again you know which is why walt came up with the idea of the the saddleback system you know for the monorail that we have and so uh, you know the smith um you know uh, it became part of the disney uh, uh, legal uh, department you know became a senior vice president you know, he passed away in um, what was it, 2016. He was 83 year, years old. Nobody, and and uh, his secretary, <laughs> talk about secrecy. The secretary that he had uh, it was a uh, had graduated from University of Miami, and uh, uh, she, oh my gosh, she was going to be accepted by this um, Miami law firm. And in the interview, uh, she said um, they could not tell her who her employer was, but she should be <laughs> she should be ready to begin work January first. Uh, uh, and and she was worried because she had read in papers that you know uh, companies like the Latin American Land Company, you know, and she knew that there were communists in Latin America, so she was worried that they couldn't tell her because maybe she was working for the communists and, and, uh, God bless her. He, uh, uh, she, she's another one who should be a Disney, uh, a legend because it was her job to type up every word of the legislative proposal for the Reedy Creek improvement district. That's hundreds of pages, you know? And so this is back in the days when there's no computers, so you do this on a manual typewriter, no electric typewriter, manual typewriter, and you can't make any mistakes because this is a legal document, right? And hundreds and hundreds of pages, and then she had to photocopy them and and uh, collate them, and uh, you know, uh, for copies. And so the Reedy Creek application was literally five inches thick. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, again, uh, one of the uh, jobs that Smith had was not just living on the property, but was, you know, um, uh, uh, 
presenting, you know, uh, preparing the application, presenting uh, the application. And, and he said, you know, there was nothing really, he said it was complicated, but there was nothing really unusual about it. You know, uh, improvement districts were really pretty common, you know, uh, but usually they were for rural areas where, um, you know, they didn't have a, a postmaster or a garbage collection or, uh, you know, whatever. And so you have an improvement district. So the landowners, uh, you know, take care of, uh, of some of those uh, uh, services uh, on their own. But, but again, I, I never realized that w- this was going to happen, but it, if the listeners are, are this interested, maybe we should do a, a, a third show and, and talk about Reedy Creek, talk about the Epcot film and, and then also talk about what happens when Walt passes away and the Disney company, uh, the initial reaction is they're going to sell all of the land in Florida. They're not going to go through with this project because who could make this dream a reality other than Walt Disney? And I think, and I think, so. I think we should. I think this, you know, because and think about when this is happening again. Sort of what you're talking about now is in early uh, 1966. We're, we're talking 65, early 66. Right. Yeah. So it's just a few months later that Walt unexpectedly passes, and along the way, there's there's other, you know, hurdles and hiccups, not just the heat and humidity and animals and lack of resources and things like that but <laughs> but Walt dies and and I think maybe Jim this is we can talk not just about what happens in terms of the Disney World project but really the importance of what Roy does in terms of stepping up and stepping in oh God. and finishing I, I, I think I think he deserves his own the, show right we need to do a show his, on his Roy. own show and so much recognition and and in fact we may even have to do a, a, a fourth show of, of what the original plans were for uh, just Roy's yeah. version of of uh, uh, Walt Disney World because I, I I bet a lot of people don't realize that. Um, uh, you know, at, at Walt Disney World, what is now the uh, uh, Main Street Theater, you know, where you can meet Mickey and all of that, that was supposed to be an in-park hotel. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, it was designed by Mary Blair. That's why you have that um, uh, porch and you have the rocking chairs. And if you look up on the second level, you see that there are individual balconies for each window. Because that was going to be a hotel, and that was going to extend back. And also, you know as well as I do that backstage was is that uh, uh, parking lot uh, area there too. The hotel would have covered that. So basically, you could have stayed in a Disney park and 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 uh, uh, gone in. And and so when it, it then became the Gulf Hospitality Center, the interior still looked like the um, lobby. Uh, 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 of a hotel mm-hmm. because that, that that was going to be designed, you know, as a hotel, and and that there were plans uh, uh, for uh, right out in front of of uh, the Magic Kingdom, uh, an ice rink, <laughs> <laughs> an ice skating. They, they were throwing in everything but the kitchen sink uh, into these things, you know, and and again. We're, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary here, so uh, and and for those of you who can't wait 
for some of these stories. Make sure you go to Amazon.com or ThemeParkPress.com and uh, pick up a copy of uh, the unofficial Walt Disney World 1971 Companion. And uh, I, I will tell you that uh, people who were there, like uh, uh, Sully Sullivan and Tom Nabby and uh, all of that, uh, who I did interview for, for the book uh, as well, uh, you know, ha- have given it a, a thumbs up in terms of uh, accuracy and all of that. And, you know, one of the people that I interviewed, Imagineer Tom K. Morris, who, uh, as a 12-year-old, uh, got to come opening day at Walt Disney World. Mm. And so his, his, his story is in there as a 12-year-old of, of what it was like on opening day at Walt Disney World in October 71. Uh, uh, and, and he got to go there because as a paper boy, uh, one of the people on his route was uh, Jack Sayers, who was in charge of all of the uh, uh, participants. And so he made, he made arrangements. And so uh, 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 Tom got a, a VIP tour guide and, you know, uh, all of that. There's so many stories, so many stories, you know, uh, uh, to tell. And, and as I said, the book's uh, uh, over 300 pages, but it, it, it could have easily have been um, twice that length because there's so many stories. But yes, it really was a James Bond uh, secret uh, operation. And, and again, one that could only have taken place uh, in the uh, 60s because <laughs> today... Right. It doesn't happen. You're not flying in secret, right? You're not taking one-way tickets with a with a made-up name uh, that's going to get you on a few lists here and there, I'm sure. Well, it, it, again, you ha- you have uh, 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 Disney writers uh, today, you know, on, on websites and all this who are constantly checking to see if Disney has filed paperwork for any construction yeah. or whatever. You know, you, you can't keep anything hidden. And... Uh, well, and one you know, of the, it, I'll tell you, one, one of the things that's been interesting about this, what is now becoming a series, <laughs> since this is the second of however many, it, after the first show and after the second show, and this is a question I want to put out, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out to you, as well as you, our friend, the listener who's sitting with us. When we were talking about all of the different locations that were either being considered to 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 build a second Disneyland or were rumored or can and continue to be rumored. We continue to hear rumors of Texas, you know, the 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 North mm-hmm. Central America, the Northeast for yet another Disney park to be built after the second In show. Dubai, I've 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 heard some recent rumors about Dubai. So let me ask you this, not just little Jimmy Corcus, but you, our friend, the listener, if you are given the task and ability and financial resources to build another Disney in America, in North America, where would you build it and why there? And, and, and remember, you're going to have to take into account enough land. You're going to have to take into account weather. You're going to have to take into account uh, traffic flow. It, it, it's not just the case of if you build it, they will come. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they basically decided on Florida because because they felt they would have access to the entire East Coast, 
And, and again, Florida already had a lot of um, uh, roadside uh, tourist attractions, uh, Wichiwachi uh, 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 Springs, Silver Springs, uh, you know, Bach Tower. Uh, so there were already some things in place. So remember, that's why they're called Imagineers. You don't just imagine. You don't just dream up the idea. There's the engineering part of it of how do you make this work? So, you know, a, a lot of times people have suggested the Midwest. Okay, well, what are you going to do, you know, with tornadoes? What are you going to do, you know, uh, uh, are, are there people there in the Midwest who can afford to go? Is there a large enough local population or enough of a tourist population that's going to support that? So you need to keep uh, – uh, all of that uh, uh, in mind. You so, know? Jim, and... I'll, I will. I'll give you till next time to think about it, and <laughs> you. <laughs> I won't put you on a spot. That's not fair. But you, the listener, I, I would love to hear your answer. The best way for you to share your idea or your vision of where another domestic Disney theme park can or should go, go to wdwradio.com slash community that is our box people group on facebook i'll post the question there you can respond there better yet you can even call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 and let us know share your idea via voicemail and of course jim corkus is going to be back to share more stories about finding florida as well as so many more that he has i'll put links and, and Jim Corcus also has another new book out called, <laughs> uh, if you're a Disneyland fan, Secret Stories of Extinct Disneyland. So it's the Disneyland I grew up with and, and remember. So there's interviews with uh, uh, two of the women who played uh, mermaids in the submarine lagoon, uh, two of the women who were space girls who walked around uh, Tomorrowland in the, in, in the 50s and, and, and the 60s. Uh, there's... Uh, uh, 80 different chapters uh, covering everything from special events like uh, uh, Pooh for President campaign and uh, Blast to the Past to uh, all of those attractions like uh, Flight to the Moon and uh, all of that, the Flying Saucers and uh, the Stagecoaches and the Pack Mules, all of those that are long gone that maybe you or your parents uh, uh, experience so secret stories of extinct Disneyland, and and you can bundle that with uh, the unofficial Walt Disney World 1971 companion, and I <laughs> and I appreciate that tremendously. I will make it easy for you. I will put links to both of those books as well as a lot more of Jim's library in the show notes over at wdwradio.com click on this week's podcast you will find them all there jim corcus my friend i love and so enjoy and continue to learn new things every time we get together i appreciate you and what you share so very much and i look forward to when we can get together and do this again and and i appreciate you lou and and i also appreciate you giving me this uh uh, forum so I can promote my books and I can also share this information with those people who are really interested and I know your listeners really are and I, I hope they are and so thank you so much and uh, uh, for all of you listening may all your Disney dreams come true brother I appreciate you man hey
It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes what you see or hear or, yes, even taste because I'm always hungry. And if you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I asked you to identify who your friendly controller and a heck of a paleontologist is if he or she does say so, him or herself. If you have ever ridden dinosaur or at least made it through the queue, you know that is Dr. Seeker, better known as Dr. Grant Seeker. Get it? Grant Seeker, played by Wallace Langham. He, along with his boss, Dr. Marsh, who's played by Felicia Rashad, talk to us about how the secrets to the future are truly found in the past, his unauthorized field trip, the perils of flash photography, and of course, how you should trust him because seriously, what could possibly go wrong? Anyway, I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one. Again, you were playing for all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic My 102 Ways to Save Money for Not Walt Disney World book, all of which are available on Amazon.com as well as in iTunes. A WW Radio vinyl sticker, a WW Radio pop socket, and of course, a WW Radio t-shirt. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Jack Pietro. So Jack, use the online form. I have your shipping information and we'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, we're obviously talking about the history of Walt Disney World, a lot about Walt himself. And I was thinking about tributes to Walt in the parks. I actually did a show about finding Walt in Walt Disney World back on show 298. And one of my favorite references to Walt is actually at the Chapeau Hat Shop on Main Street, USA, I'll explain why when I give you the answer next week, but it's not only a tribute to Walt and more specifically his wife Lillian, but also a reference to a Disney animated feature film. Your question this week is to tell me what Disney film does the Chapeau Hat Shop in Magic Kingdom specifically reference? You have until Sunday, June 23rd at 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the online form there, Again, you will play for all the digital products, my books, the audio tours, a vinyl sticker, a pop socket, and I will also send you a mystery prize as well. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in. I know I say it every week, but I mean it because I do understand and appreciate how valuable your time is to you. I'd love for you to spend and share a little bit more of it with me and with us in our community over at www.radio.com community. That will take you to our Box People group on Facebook, where you can talk about not just this week's show, but come by, grab a snack, introduce yourself, and talk about all things Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, anything under the Disney umbrella, bubble, blanket, whatever you want to call it. Again, www.radio.com slash community. You can also connect with me other places online. I'm at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. I'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, email me, lou at www.radio.com or call the voicemail. Be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. 
And speaking of community and conversation and friendship, I want to thank all of the new and longtime members of our WDW Radio Nation family. I sincerely appreciate all of your love and your support, and I also love being able to give back to you each and every month. I want to thank some of the new members who've joined the hundreds of you who are part of the Nation family, including Dean Bailey, Michelle Hull, Julie Guevara, Courtney Peterman, Jean Piasecki, Janet Sala, Alec Goins, and Sarah Ford. Your welcome packages are on their way to you. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but you'll also get exclusive rewards every month, including custom scavenger hunts. We have a private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, care packages from Walt Disney World, as well as exclusive live video group calls, early access to special events, and lots more. You can visit www.radio.com support. And don't forget that a portion of your contribution, which is obviously completely optional, goes to our Dream Team project, which benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Of course, as much as I love connecting and talking with you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. It's why I continue to do not just special events and cruises, but meets of the month every month in Walt Disney World. Our next meet of the month is going to be in Japan over in Epcot at really one of my favorite locations in any Disney park anywhere in the world. It's going to be at Katsura Grill at the lower level seating area. That's going to be Saturday, June 23rd from 1130 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can come alone. Bring the whole family. It's fun. It's free. And you are very, very welcome to RSVP. To learn about other upcoming events, you can visit our events page at www.radio.com slash events. And I am so incredibly thankful and cognizant of it every day for the opportunity and life that you have given me by your friendship, by your attention, by your support, that I want to try and help you individually or collectively to your business, event, or school. And there's a number of different ways I can do it through speaking and coaching and mentoring and special events. So whether you are hosting a conference, an expo, a retreat, or even an in-house workshop, I can custom craft a presentation for your business, including customer service and customer experience focused topics, including what your business can learn and implement from the Disney parks, leadership lessons we can learn from Walt, social media, including live video, podcasting, and the power of community building, as well as inspiring topics geared specifically towards your event and students from middle school through college. I can come to your event, to your business, or present virtually. I can also work with you one-on-one or in small groups through coaching and through my Momentum Weekend Workshop here in Walt Disney World. It's going to be September 28th and 29th and includes two days of presentations, speakers, interactive workshop, and an optional mastermind day on Monday. The event is limited to just 50 people. I've extended the super early bird pricing now until next week. You can, to find out more, you can visit lumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at Mouse Fan Travel. Again, they are my official and recommended provider because it's who I have used and who I trust for more than 10 years, no matter whether, no matter what Disney destination or any vacation destination on the planet, they give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, and don't forget, it all comes at no cost to you. You can learn more and get a free no-obligation quote at mousefantravel.com. Also, go subscribe and order back issues to Celebrations Magazine over at celebrationspress.com. And as always, my friend, and I mean it when I say that you truly are my friend, 
If you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. I'd love for you to let your friends know about it by tweeting out that you're listening. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over at iTunes. It's incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Flugang, Flugging, F-U-L-U-G-E-N-G, who says it's a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious podcast. Although relatively new to podcasts, it didn't take me long to find the best one. Loose passion and genuineness is evident in each episode. I've already gone back to the beginning episodes to reminisce and learn more about Walt Disney World in those years where I lived on the West Coast and visited Disneyland more often than Walt Disney World. M. Slat61 says, wow, your show is amazing. I'm a new listener and regret not finding it sooner. Matthew W. 77 says, five stars. Not only is it the best Disney podcast, but one of the best podcasts, period. And Dishar says, love it. I've just loved that I've started listening, although I know Lou on Facebook and have met him in person totally by accident. I've never been a podcast person, but now I listen whenever I can. There's lots to learn about something I thought I knew so well, and Lou and his guests are so positive and fun. I want to thank Dishar, Matthew, M. Slate, and Flugang. Flugging. Flu. You. <laughs> thank all of you who have taken the time to rate and review the show, just search for WW Radio on iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right there and show you exactly how to do it. And finally, and most important, again, uh, my sincerest and humble gratitude to you and for you. I, I You have literally changed my life in more ways than you know, and I recognize it and I'm grateful for that gift every day. If there's something that I can do to help you, please email me, come to a meet of the month, let me know what and how I might be able to help you. And it doesn't matter where you are, how old you are, what you are doing. Um, as a wise woman, Rabbit, once said, life's a little bit messy and we all make mistakes. And no matter what kind of animal you are, change starts with you. And that's from Judy Hopps. In Zootopia, and I interpret that to mean no matter who you are or where you are on your journey, if you are just starting out or need to sort of take things to the next level, change does start with you. It starts with a belief in yourself, the confidence, and those first steps, however small or large they might be. If there's some way that I can help you, either with a push or taking your hand and guiding you along the way, please let me know anything that I can do because it's the least I can do to say thank you. So with that, I hope that you have your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. And thanks. Hey Lou, this is Paul from Mansfield, Massachusetts. I'm a relatively new listener, but the shows really helped me with my commute to work in the morning, especially at 5.30. But I really enjoyed the recent episode about which Disney movies should be made into rides because that's what I like to do when my parents tell me we're going to Disney is think of everything I'd put in. So what I would put in is I would take uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I think is probably the most underrated Disney film, or at least is up there. I think it just might have gone over some of the kids' heads when it came out just because of some of the topics like gypsies. They may have not known what that was. But what 
what I would like to see is Quasimodo in Notre Dame in the Paris Pavilion in Epcot, where you go up one of the two towers and then Quasimodo appears and he says, you know, hey, can you help me ring the bell? It's more fun when you grab the rope and jump down. And he says, go ahead, and you go way down, you bounce back up, kind of like the Tower of Terror, basically, although the sound of the bell would be just inside Notre Dame. Otherwise, I think it would just disturb some of the guests who are just trying to enjoy the pavilion. But I think Disney definitely needs the thrill ride, so I think that'd be a really cool one. But another quick one I was thinking about was making test track uh, cars themed, where it'd be three lines. It'd be a Lightning McQueen line. It'd be a Chick line. It'd be a the King line. You get in one of the three, and then the each vehicle is actually them, and they're talking to you, t- telling you about the whole uh, auto industry and how they build in Japan and Germany and all all the other countries. And eventually, three of them meet up and they say, "Hey, let's go for a race." And they go in their own individual little rooms where it's you know pitch black, and they're giving themselves a pep talk like Lightning McQueen at the beginning, you know, speed, I'm speed, and then their engines start to ramp up. And then the NASCAR lights go, and then they just you know, shoot right out of the areas, and the outside track's actually wider, so the three of them are racing, and they go right across, race right across the finish line. You get two pictures, one of you in the car racing the other two, and the other one would be just you. But, yeah, that's something that I've always been interested in being a Disney Imagineer. But I have a few more thoughts, but just those are some of the quick ones. But, you know, have a good one, Lou. All right, thanks. Bye. Hey, Lou, this is Paul from Mansfield, Massachusetts. I'm a relatively new listener, but the show has really helped me with my commute to work in the morning, especially at 5.30. But I really enjoyed the recent episode about which Disney movies should be made into rides because that's what I like to do when my parents tell me we're going to Disney's think of everything I'd put in. So what I would put in is I would take uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I think is probably the most underrated Disney film, or at least is up there. I think it just... Might have gone over some of the kids' heads when it came out, just because of some of the topics like gypsies. They may have not known what that was. But what I would like to see is Quasimodo in Notre Dame in the Paris Pavilion in Epcot, where you go up one of the two towers and then Quasimodo appears and he says, "You know, hey, can you help me ring the bell? It's more fun when you grab the rope and jump down." And he says, "Go ahead," and you go way down, you bounce back up, kind of like the Tower of Terror, basically. Although the sound of the bell would be just inside Notre Dame. Otherwise, I think it would just disturb some of the guests who are just trying to enjoy the pavilion. But I think Disney definitely needs the thrill ride, so I think that'd be a really cool one. But another quick one I was thinking about was making test track uh, cars themed, where it'd be three lines. It'd be a Lightning McQueen line. It'd be a Chick line. It'd be a the King line. You get in one of the three, and then the each vehicle is actually them, and they're talking to you. Telling you about the whole uh, auto industry and how they build in Japan and Germany and all all the other countries, and eventually three of them meet up and they say, "Hey, let's go for a race." And they go in their own individual little rooms where it's you know pitch black, and they're giving themselves a pep talk like Lightning McQueen at the beginning, you know, speed, I'm speed, and then their engines start to ramp up, and then the NASCAR lights go. And then they just you know, shoot right out of the areas, and the outside track's actually wider, so the three of them are racing, and they go right across, race right across the finish line. You get two pictures, one of you in the car racing the other two, and the other one would be just you. But, yeah, that's something that I've always been interested in being a Disney Imagineer. But I have a few more thoughts, but just those are some of the quick ones. But, you know, have a good one, Lou. All right, thanks. Bye. 
Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Gabby Naldo from Columbia, Maryland. Um, I had called in yesterday from the pop-up Disney exhibit in Anaheim. I'm now back home in Maryland. Um, I just wanted to give a quick review. Um, long story short, pop-up Disney is the Instagrammer's dream, um, particularly, obviously, for Disney fans. Um, it was just a really fun experience. Uh, if you're into Walls of Disney or very Instagrammable spots, this is definitely the place for you. Um, they told me that the exhibition was actually being continued through fall, which I think is new. It was only going to be through, I think, early summer. So if you have a chance to be out in Anaheim um, between now and early fall, I would definitely recommend. Um, it's a very quick experience, but definitely worth it. Alrighty, have a great rest of the week. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison, Flower Town, PA, on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. I'm riding around in the car. Just finished listening to your Galaxy's Edge recap. And boy, am I excited. Mm-mm-mm. Soon do my little work trip in October, and I'm hoping I can hit Galaxy's Edge. And I don't care if I get on a ride or not. I could just walk around, check everything out. Um, I've been following everything you guys have been posting on it, and it just looks fabulous. And I sent a link to my brother, who is probably just as, a, just as um, much of a Star Wars enthusiast as you are. And um, so he's going to listen to it. So I'm trying to get him to drink the Kool-Aid on that one. So super, super excited for it. I can't wait. You guys sold me on it. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, the Julie Andrews interview was amazing. Um, and I'm laughing because you always refer to how she says your name. So I paid, paid particular attention to that. It was pretty cute. I loved it. Anyway, awesome. Have a great week, you guys. And, oh, the movie I would like to see made into an attraction would be Meet the Robinsons, and you should put it either in Interventions or in Tomorrowland. I think Tomorrowland. So, anyway, love that movie. Take care, everybody. Make someone smile and have a great week. Bye. Hello, Lou Mandello. It's Charlie Nagy from West Seneca, New York, and I'm calling with the countdown, and I have a special guest. It's Beatrice Dennis from Windermere, Florida. <laughs> we have the countdown for you for the New Orleans Adventure and Cruise, and it's 234 days. And then we have your Adventures by Disney in Japan, 118. Yay! Hope you all have a magical day. Love and hugs. Bye, y'all.